This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Welcome to the Candid Life podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I am your host, Lydia Gago. Today, our topic, resilience. According to dictionary.com, resilience is the ability of a person to adjust to or recover readily from illness, adversity, major life changes. Now, why is resilience important? Resilience is important because it gives people the strength needed to process and overcome hardships. Those lacking resilience get easily overwhelmed and may turn to unhealthy coping mechanisms. Whereas resilient people tap into their strengths, faith, and support systems to overcome challenges and work through problems. To help us discuss this life-changing topic is someone who has gone through what I can only describe as life's furnace of affliction and exudes the most amount of positive energy I've seen at 4.55 (laughs) a.m. Okay. Um, She's the head coach of Orange Theory Fitness, Rochester Hills, Michigan, Diane Maggio. Before her fitness career, Diane was a dental hygienist for 25 years, and I'm going to allow her to talk a little bit about that uh, transition in her own words. She has two grown kids, 19 and 21, and a wonderful second husband. Within the last five to seven years, she has been through breast cancer twice, nine surgeries in 18 months. Diane loves the summer being outside, concerts, golfing, and hanging with friends. However, she does not like the cold weather. I'm still surprised she's still in Michigan. (laughs) And her favorite exercise is a burpee. But oh my goodness, talk about the high energy and energizer bunny living. Diane, welcome to The Candid Life. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. I don't drink any coffee. Seriously, this is all just... Within it's you. just within me. Oh my goodness. I love it. I love it. Exactly. Okay. Before we go any further, Diane, just tell us a little bit more about yourself, your family upbringing, and you know, maybe a bit about the people who influenced you growing up. Well, I had two awesome parents. Um, my mom and dad were totally influencers. I lost my dad Oh, probably a good 26, 27 years ago. He was very young. Um, my mom's still with me. She's an amazing mother. And I've got, I've got a great brother too. So I had a really, really good upbringing. I grew up right around here in Shelby Township. I've got two wonderful kids. My daughter, her name is Brayden. She's 21. She's very considerate, very kind. And my son is very sensitive. His name is Nash. He's 19. My daughter's working full-time. My son's going to school full-time. And I have a great second husband now. My, 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 my first husband, he's a good guy too. 100% total good guy. I have nothing bad to say about him at all. He was my high school sweetheart. So I was just wondering though, what made you decide to go into studying dental hygiene? Well, now that is something that my mom, and, and I do remember also, but my mom, 
has always brought it up to me. When I was little, I would go get my teeth cleaned and I used to have the nicest dental hygienist that I just loved. Her name was Bev and I loved her to death. And I just said, when I was about nine years old, I said, mom, I want to be Bev. I want to be that lady. And she said, okay, yeah, sure. I'm not sure. Okay. And then in high school and you know, you have to decide, Hey, I'm going to go to college. What am I going to do in life? And I said, well, I already told you when I was younger, I'm going to be a dental hygienist. So I, I just had it planted in my mind. My mom's like, don't you want to be a dentist? And I said, no, I want to be the lady who cleans teeth. So wow, <laughs> I, just, um, I knew from little on that I wanted to do that. And I really, really enjoyed that career also, because it gave me the opportunity to um, talk to people, even though people would always say to me, I can't talk to you. You have your hands in my mouth, but I gave them plenty of time to talk. It was more, <laughs> we did a little bit of teeth cleaning and we did a lot of talking. I almost feel like when you are in that chair, you become so relaxed. Yeah. Everything is open. <laughs> you, oh, yeah. like, you really feel like you're in a counseling chair. I don't know what it is. There's something very but- Trusting about just being in that position of vulnerability, but just knowing that there's somebody listening to you or however long they have you there with them. So it was great. And I I worked for two amazing dentists. They were super great people. And I became very, very close with a lot of my patients where I would see them outside of the dental office. Even, you know, we would meet for dinner, meet for lunch, or, you know, I'd golf with some of, I mean, it was just, my patients were my family. It it pretty much was like, you know, I, I I built that relationship with people that I just, I loved it. It was great. Was there an experience during your dental hygienist times that just really struck with you or a particular patient whose uh, interactions with you just really left a mark on you that you'll never forget? The one thing is like, I would meet a patient when I first started and maybe that patient was pregnant Mm. and then they had the baby and then they would bring their baby in when they were, you know, three or four years old. And so I got to see that person grow up from childhood and then, you know, like all the way up into their twenties, it was just, it was cool stuff like that. How did you transition to become a personal coach? I was actually working out at a local gym and I was just very much so into fitness after having my kids. I just wanted to, you know, get myself back together. I feel like it's very important for moms to have at least one hour of the day for themselves to focus on enjoying their time and building their confidence of, you know, just having their own time. So I just, I really got into working out. I enjoyed it. I would go every day. And then um, the instructor who I would take her class a lot, she was like the head instructor at this gym. And she said to me, Hey, I like need somebody to teach a class. And, And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll do this. So I actually went to, uh, it was a one day certification where I got my group fitness certification and she got me onto the schedule doing one class at this gym. And then it just built, I got another class and then I got another class and I got more people like coming to my classes. And it was just, it was so much fun. So I was doing dental hygiene and coaching, like, cause I would only do dental hygiene three days a week. I, I worked three 12 hour days. So I had really long dental hygiene days. And then the other day I would do some fitness. And then I started working at other gyms and I just, I found that that was what I was enjoying more. Mm. I still loved cleaning teeth, but after 25 years of doing it, I just felt like I need a change. And it was a really positive thing for me 
to do because I felt like I was also helping people. So I felt like I was helping people cleaning teeth, you know, getting their gums healthy, getting their mouth healthy, getting them healthy. So like, I was like, okay, well, fitness is the same thing. I'm getting them healthy. And, you know, it, it was just, so it's like somewhat parallel of a career. Mm -hmm. And I just, I slid into it kind of not even realizing I was sliding into it. And I just kind of blossomed. And then I was working two gyms and then three gyms. And then <laughs> I was like trying to still clean teeth. And then I said, I can't clean teeth anymore because <laughs> when I started working at Orange Theory, I was just doing a couple days a week. And then the position opened up to be a head coach. And I said, I want to do this. I need to do this like full time. And my husband wanted to kill me when mm. I told him, I'm going to quit my dental job. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. And I did. It was a fast decision. I'm still really close with all the people that I worked with at the dental office. And I still talk to some of my patients and things like that. But I knew that I wanted to be at Orange Theory and, and be doing fitness full time. I love it. I mean, I just love the point of how your passion just overtook your current job status. Oh yeah. I think it's that passion that really propelled you forward. I love the fact that you really considered what was going on and still helping people, but just in a slightly different way. It's just slight different focus. And of course, Hubby couldn't stop you because you were all in. Yeah. No, I was all in. You were totally yeah. all in. I'm the person who can't sit behind like a computer. I can't sit at a desk. I have to be around people and I have to, I just love that energy. And I like to give that energy and I like to, you know, it just, so it's all about that's what great. life's about. That's great. So how long have you been doing this now? Close to 10 years now. Cause I've been at orange theory. It's going to be seven. Mm -hmm. And I did a couple other gyms before that for about two or three years. Yeah. Okay. I know. I love it. Folks. This is high energy. We are going to keep on going, but we need to take a little break coming up. What happens when life throws you curveballs. Don't leave. We'll be back in a few seconds. Welcome back to the Candid Life podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I am your host, Lydia Gago. Today, my guest is Diane Maggio, head coach of Orange Theory Fitness in Rochester Hills. And we're discussing the importance of resilience. I came across Proverbs 24, 16, which says, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. And that for me is resilience. You know, how you fall matters, but more importantly is how you get up which matters even more. Now, in your bio, you talked about walking through divorce and breast cancer, two life-altering moments. Can you just share a little bit about those experiences and maybe just how you navigated through those moments? No, 100%. Yes. Um, I was married to my high school sweetheart. We dated for nine years before we got married, and we were married for um, eight years. And he he seriously is a, a great guy. I don't want to say anything bad about him. He's, he's a wonderful dad, wonderful guy, but it just separated. You know, we grew apart and unfortunately had to take that road when my kids were kind of little of separating. We, we separated on good terms and things like that. Um, no hard feelings and things like that between us. 
but it was challenging with two little kids um, being on my own for a little while before I met my second husband, living with my mom for, you know, a handful of years and things like that. But I just tried to stay positive because I knew that the kids had a great father in their life and we were still friends and things were going to work out. And it did. Everything's been great. I, I really can't complain on that part. Wonderful. So how do you meet your second husband? I actually met him at a golf course. <laughs> yep. I like to golf. So my, um, my league with my girlfriends um, was at this golf course locally and his league was there too. And we, after golf, we're at the clubhouse and just kind of like, hi, hey, hi, who, you know, and, okay. hey, hey, hoo, hoo, and, and here we are today. <laughs> okay. How long have you been married? Um, in September to be 15 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He's a great guy. He's amazing. So he's, he's a keeper. I'm Did keeping him. <laughs> I'm keeping him. Oh yeah. He he's, he's retired from his job. So he grocery shops and he cooks for me. He's amazing. Wonderful man. Wonderful man. I'm very fortunate. So I'm curious about the, the cancer. Tell me a little bit about that. I was diagnosed in December of 2013. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an aggressive stage. Um, it was like a stage one, two breast cancer. And I was devastated because I had no history of breast cancer in my family. I'm very healthy. I try to eat right, you know, work out things like that. So it was a very big shock to me. I actually found the lump. I had had a um, mammogram mm-hmm. in October And I got the results in November saying everything was fine. And I felt the lump myself a couple of weeks later in December. Hmm. It was very, very strange. So had the biopsy done and sure enough came back. And so I had a lumpectomy that January, then a 14, um, radiation to follow is like 35 visits of radiation. I had to go every day. So I was doing a dental hygiene job. I would have to like leave for a couple hours, you know, cancel out a patient or two, go to get my radiation, drive like a half hour away, drive back. So I was good for a couple of years. And then back in the summer of 17, I found out that it had come back in the same breast and a mammogram found that. And so then I decided to have a double mastectomy in September of 17. So after I had my double mastectomy, the doctor, unfortunately, my skin being radiated on the one side did not take enough of my radiated skin away. And then my stitches afterwards just kind of pulled open. After that, it was just surgery after surgery after surgery, because I couldn't be reconstructed properly the way I needed to be in Michigan. So I had to go down to New Orleans for a handful of surgeries. I was in New Orleans for about six of my surgeries down there with a wonderful, wonderful doctor who I absolutely love that man. He's an angel that was put on earth. I was very lucky. I researched it myself and I said, I need to go to New Orleans to be reconstructed. And I didn't know what to do and how to do it. And thank goodness too, one of the members at Orange Theory was so kind when I told her, I said, I need to do this. It's going to cost me millions of dollars. She threw me a fundraiser. Wow. And they raised close to $30,000 for me to be able to have all those surgeries down in New Orleans. So it was simply amazing. She went to some of the surgeries with me. She's my guardian angel. And it can make me cry thinking about it because I mean, she was just wonderful. 
um, being with me, my husband was supportive, my best friend, who's another coach at um, Orange Theory, super supportive people. I mean, I just, I had the community to, to just knock down walls everywhere. Everybody was behind me. But after I was finished with all my surgeries, the person who threw that fundraiser for me, who made it possible for me to go through all my reconstructive to get me back to where I needed, then she found out she had breast cancer. So it was just devastating. So it was like roles were reversed and then I was there for her. And so, yeah, it's, it was a long road, but I'm not lying to you. When you find a community of people and you, you stay positive and you just, people push you to where you don't even know you can be pushed. So it was, it was amazing. I, I, I didn't, I didn't even blink an eye. It was, it was awesome. Diane, I'm speechless. I think I am on this roller coaster of emotions, just listening to that story. I mean, that is just so powerful. You're talking about angels being placed in your life. You know, they talk about people are coming to our lives for a season, a reason, and a time. And just hearing that and how truly the people loved you so much, they were able to go above and beyond should just be there for you. I was so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm very fortunate, very fortunate person. For sure. My goodness. Did we just stop there? That's a lot to take in. That's my life. A lot to take in. That's a lot to take in, but so much to be grateful for. How did it feel actually having to take that decision of having this um, mastectomy the first time and then the second time. It, it was very hard. It was, it was, it was challenging. It, it plays tricks with your mind. You don't feel like yourself and it's like, wow, this isn't the person. And you look in the mirror and things are so distorted and so different and things like that. But, um, so I had some down moments, but, um, like I said, if it wasn't for my family, my friends, my work friends, my everything, it, I mean, they picked me up when I needed to be picked up and, and that's what I hope to do for other people in life also. That's good. Okay, Miss Diane, I came across a quote which says, it's not the strongest species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but the ones most resilient and responsive to change. And this is by our good friend, Charles Darwin. What are your thoughts on that? I 100% agree. I, I mean, I'd like to pretend that I'm strong, but I'm not. I'm, I'm definitely not that intelligent, but I feel like it's very important to be resilient and to accept change because I did. I accepted change in my life a lot of times. And a lot of times it's been for the positive. I mean, at the time you go through things, you think it's the negative, but no, you, you have to look at things. Things could always be worse in life and you have to be positive that there's a change for a reason and you have to go with it and find the positive in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, with that, we're going to go ahead and take another quick break. And when we come back, the question for Diane is, what do you do when your get up and go has got up and gone? Welcome to the Candid Life Podcast. Uh, when we just left off, I left Diane with something to ponder, which was, what do you do when your get up and go has got up and gone? Diane, what do you do? You know, 
sometimes I, I just, you know, I think to myself that if everybody else around me can do it, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And I just continue to push myself. And I sometimes push myself sometimes too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My husband's always like, you need to stop. You need to take breaks. You are not a robot. And I'm like, I understand, but I really, I have a tendency to, to be just, people call me crazy. They do. I, they really do. I, I just, so, but there are times if I do hit a wall, you have to allow yourself a little bit of a break. You do have to allow yourself just that tiny bit of a break and then get right on the, hop right back on the horse. That's what I say. I mean, I do have to ask you, how do you intentionally put breaks in your life? How do you factor in rest? Because that is really, really important. You know, in order for you to be resilient, I I think you really need to factor rest into your life. Um, I mean, you're talking about health, but you also need rest. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know, when life throws you these curveballs and you're constantly giving, you really have nothing to draw from because you're running on fumes. Yes. Yeah, there. Yes, that's that's the truth. And I do that too many times. But I have learned more recently that it is okay to say no. Mm -hmm. I have a really, really hard time saying no. So when I do say no to certain things, because I'm like, okay, I can go out, I can do this, but I can do that. And I can do this. But I'm like, okay, no, I can't because I need to rest. I can't Mm -hmm. do it. So Mm -hmm. I have to say no to certain things that I don't always want to say no to, but Mm -hmm. I do it to, I'm, I'm starting to get a little wiser in my old age that yes, it is important to take care of your own mental health, you know, just by saying no sometimes. And I do factor that in every so often. And now I'm very, very fortunate that I don't work on weekends anymore. So that I have like, my husband just forced me to quit my Saturdays of work. And so now I have two days off, which I've never had in probably it's been years. And that is my rest time. I can sleep in a little bit, re-energize. And then Monday morning, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. What time do you wake up anyway? I'm up at 3.45 in the morning. Okay. So that's every single day you're waking up at 3.45. How do you reset your clock to sleep in on a Saturday and a Sunday? It's very easy. I have no problem doing that. Isn't that funny? I can, I catch up very well. And every so often during the weeks, if I have extra time during my days, I'll shut my eyes for a few minutes. I will allow myself to take a little tiny nap because I think that's a good thing to do. Shut your eyes for 20, 30 minutes, re-energize and you're good to go. That's good. Let's sum this thing up a little bit. So what would you say to somebody who really needs to get onto this uh, resilience journey? It's not easy. If you are a person who uh, lives a life of anxiety and you're constantly worried mm. about what's going to happen, you or you're living in the past, you're having a hard time um, celebrating the present. I mean, What would you say as a coach, you know, having gone through so many different challenges yourself, what two or three things would you uh, tell somebody to help them to set themselves up for success in 
what they need to do or things that they can put in place to help them learn resilience? I know that's a loaded question, but it is a little bit. Yeah. But how can we help people? I would say at least finding time for yourself each day, whatever makes you the happiest, you need to do that each and every day, no matter if it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, finding a really good group of friends, friends or community and having good faith. Mm -hmm. I I think all those things will help you to stay positive. Mm -hmm. Staying positive is the most important thing. I, I know it's super hard in people's lives nowadays. There's so much negativity and things like that, but I always look at the situation that I, whatever I was going through, I knew somebody else had it worse. Mm -hmm. I really did. And I I just, you have to stay positive and surround yourself with good people and um, have your faith. Mm -hmm. You talk about faith. I mean, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Um, My faith is, is, is probably a little harder to describe. I, I, I was raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't practice my Catholic religion anymore, but I have faith that there is a higher spirit in this world Mm -hmm. that, you know, you look upon and you, you know, you can like meditation and, you know, like you say, taking that rest, finding your time to yourself and, and being at peace. You have to do that every day too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, as someone who has walked through the challenges of life, like I said, the fiery furnace of affliction, <laughs> I don't know how I describe that, but anyhow, <laughs> and really has overcome, you know, so much thus far and continues to live each day with positivity. What does it mean to you to live the candid life? How would you respond to that? Hmm. That's a good one. That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Um, I think living a candid life is being the best person you can be and enjoying while you're here on this earth. So I, that's, I live and I unfortunately live my life minute by minute. I don't, I'm not a really good person to like in 20 years from now, I kind of live in the moment. I'm definitely a live in the moment kind of gal and I love it. I I think that's amazing, actually. And I think it's a wonderful thing. I mean, my dad was uh, somebody who lived in the moment. And I love that minute by minute, because I think sometimes we, we're so far ahead, we don't celebrate the now, right? And the now is the minute. Yep, 100%. (laughs) I remember somebody talked about M&M moments. So you're an M&M type of girl, right? Minute by minute. Yep. Moment type of person. I think that's wonderful. Any final words, any final words before we close shop? I thank you for letting me do this. This was fun. I'm like, wow, it made me like kind of think about things in life. And you know me, I don't usually think I'm just kind of like going, going, going. You you slowed me down. You slowed my brain down. (laughs) This is called a pause, respond, a sailor moment. I call it a sailor moment. Thank you so, so much, Diane, for actually agreeing to do this. This for me is a mula mula okay so family thank you so much for listening to the candid life thank you diane uh for just joining us and 
brightening this day and pushing through those energizer moments. I really appreciate it. Please connect uh, with me on livethecandidlife at gmail.com. That's livethecandidlife at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at Lydia Gago and listen to the podcast on popular platforms, including Afropods, and also on YouTube. Subscribe and share with your friends and family. And listen, you will be inspired, challenged, and empowered to live differently so that you can impact your generation and the next. So until next time, remember your story matters because you matter. So live the candid life 24-7. God bless you. Inaendeshwa na Afripods.